0: Hi, I'm Stephen Apt, and here at Divine Savior Church, we believe that the message of Jesus truly changes lives. And so it's my prayer that as you listen to this message, that it does change your heart, uh, that it brings you peace and hope once again today. After you listen to it, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and liking, uh, we'd be grateful for that, so that more people can hear the message of Jesus. Thank you. Today is our last uh, Sunday in our series called New Year, New You. And what we've been doing with this series is we're looking at how our God has made us new. There's so much focus on a new year, uh, making a better version of ourselves, and yet we have been looking at how God has already made us new, clean before him. And over the last four weeks, we've seen how we have been redeemed by the Lamb of God who takes away the sin Of the world. How we have a clean record before our God, not because of us, not because of what we put into practice, but because our Savior Jesus died for us and shed his blood, we are clean before our God. We looked at how we are blessed, that how at the end of this year, we can say that we have divine favor from God because it's not about our circumstances, it's about what Jesus has done for us. if you remember we looked at how we could mourn for all of 2023 and we'd still be considered blessed because jesus says blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted we've looked at how we are salt and light we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world we've looked at how we have been reborn through the water and the spirit through baptism god has given us new life spiritual life into his kingdom And we've looked at how all of this impacts our day-to-day life as we live in 2023. This morning, we're going to close up by looking at now that we have this new life, now that we are redeemed, now that we are a child of God, how does this impact our relationships? And what we're going to see is that Christians have radical relationships. And maybe you're sitting there thinking that's a little dramatic, Stephen. (laughs) Radical, really? I think by the end, you're going to say radical may not be strong enough. Because of Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 5. We're back in the Sermon on the Mount. We started a couple weeks ago. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first full-length sermon, he had a smaller one where he went into the synagogue and said, these words have been fulfilled in your hearing, amen, amen. Uh, this is, what we considered, a full-length one, multiple chapters. Uh, Jesus is up on the mountain, and he's talking with his disciples. And here's what he tells them in Matthew chapter 5, 38 to 48. You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. And If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will that get you? Are you not? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Is radical still, still too dramatic? This is tough. This goes against every fiber of our being, doesn't it? What is Jesus saying here? Does he really mean what he says? Because if so, this is pretty radical. And so let's dig in. Jesus starts by saying, You have heard that it was said. Uh, Jesus is not quoting the Old Testament uh, here when he says, You have heard that it is said. He's quoting the the religious leaders of the time who took Scripture and then taught on it. If he was quoting the Old Testament, he would have said, it is written, for it is written. Every time Jesus says, for it is written. But here he says, you've heard that it was said. And then he does quote Scripture. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Exodus chapter 21. But what he's doing is, is he's quoting the religious leaders who took Exodus 21, ripped it out of its context, and said, here's your right for personal vengeance. Look what Scripture says, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. If they pluck your right eye out, you get to pluck their right out, right eye, right eye out. Personal vengeance is yours, because look what Scripture says. And Jesus says, you've heard that this is what is said. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. Jesus is not... Rewriting scripture. He's getting back to the original intent of what God's word said. In Exodus 21, uh, God, through Moses, told the people of Israel, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. But what was the context? The civic laws. Courts, judges. When it comes to uh, dealing out punishment, let the punishment fit the crime. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. This was not given to personal for people to use it for personal vengeance. It was given for the court system. And yet the religious leaders of Jesus' time plucked that verse out of its context and twisted it and ignored all the other sections of Scripture that dealt with love and that dealt with vengeance. For instance, Proverbs 29, uh, 24, 29 says, Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Or Leviticus 19.18. Do not seek revenge. Do not bear a grudge. See, what the Pharisees did was they just ripped that, and the teachers of the law ripped that verse out right out of context, ignored the rest of Scripture, and used it in a way that God intended it not to be used for. Do you know who else does that? The devil. If you remember when Jesus is tempted in the wilderness... What does he do? He quotes scripture word for word, and yet he ripped it and twisted the context of it to try to get Jesus to fall into sin and apply it in a way that God didn't intend it to use. Do you know why this is so critical to know? Because there's a lot of Bible teachers out there, a lot of pastors and a lot of preachers that do this very thing. They talk smoothly. They look good. They talk well, and yet they rip verses out of context and twist it in a way that God didn't intend it to be used for. This is why it's important for you to know God's Word. It's important for you to open up Scripture and look at the context of Scripture and compare what the preacher is saying to what God's Word says. It doesn't matter who it is, even me. Open up God's Word and know the context of what's being said because they're so, it's so easy to twist what God's word says and ruin the intent. And that's what the religious leaders were doing. And they were giving people the right to seek personal vengeance, to retaliate. And Jesus says, this is not what God wants. God wants us to love. Let the courts deal with justice. We love. Love. And he points to four ways to carry out this love. The first one he says, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. A, a slap stings, but it's not, uh, it, it doesn't really physically harm us as if someone who punched us or tackled us. Uh, a slap is more of an insult than anything. It's insulting to be slapped. And Jesus is saying, if somebody slaps you and insults you, don't retaliate. Absorb it, and let them do it again if they want. Absorb the insult. Second, if anyone wants to sue and take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. They sue you. They're taking what is yours. Jesus says, reconcile. Make sure that there's nothing between you, even if you have to overpay. Number three. Number three and four together. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to the one who asks you, and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. If anyone forces you to go one mile, uh, it was legal for the Roman government uh, and the Roman soldiers to force anyone, a citizen, to carry their pack or to carry their gear for a mile, and they couldn't do anything about it. They legally had to do it under Roman law. And so a Roman soldier, you could be walking in the middle of the day, and a Roman soldier could stop you and say, hey, you need to carry this for the next mile. And you legally had to go. Uh, this is why Joseph of Arimathea, when, when he comes over, uh, or Joseph, when he comes to, into town, uh, they have to put the cross onto him to carry it up to uh, Golgotha. Uh, he had to do it. He was legally bound to do it by Roman law. And so he carried it because he legally had to. Jesus says, if somebody encroaches on your rights, if somebody puts an unwanted burden on you, carry it. And go not just the one mile, but go the extra mile. Go two. How do we carry all of this out? Only if in the heart there is love. And that is radical love. And that's what Jesus wants us to have. It's your first point today. Christians love everyone, everyone, with a radical love. And that radical love is grace. Agape love is the word, agape in Greek. It's an undeserved love, and it's for everyone. Jesus continues by saying, Love your neighbor. You've heard that it's said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. How far does this love go? Even for your enemies, even for those who persecute you. That is tough. That is hard. Jesus says, get rid of bitterness, get rid of retaliation, get rid of the grudge, get rid of the desire for vengeance and take it and love Love, and not insult for insult. Love by not retaliating when someone mistreats you. Love by reconciling as quick as possible, even if it means you have to overpay. Love, and it all starts here. This is challenging. And if you're like me, your heart's kicking back. Some of you here today have been mistreated. Some have been insulted. Some of you have had all kinds of horrible things done against you, and you've already thought of what you want to tell that person, what you want to do to that person. You've already thought and plotted, and Jesus says, love love get rid of all those feelings get rid of all those thoughts and love that person and as even as i stand and tell you that my heart is kicking back why because i want to say but what about my rights am i just supposed to be trampled on what about justice and even, this, even, even though this isn't in this text, I do want to address that just a minute because we want to tread lightly because some of you have had really horrible things done. Some of you may have been abused. Some of you have been, maybe have had some kind of physical thing happen to you where they attacked you, extorted you, whatever. Does this mean that you should never seek justice? No. No. That would contradict other sections of Scripture. For instance, Isaiah chapter 1, what does God say? He says, seek justice and defend the oppressed. Jeremiah chapter 23, he says, woe to you shepherds, talking about the kings and the priests of Israel. Why woe to them? Because they didn't defend the poor, they didn't defend the oppressed, and they didn't seek justice and carry out justice in the land. God wants justice... To happen, However, he wants it done through the court system, through the judges, through those who are appointed to carry out justice in the land, and then ultimately, him. What he wants for you is for your heart to be free from the bitterness that causes decay. He wants you to be free from the hardness of heart that happens as we plot revenge, plot retaliation, He wants you to be free from that and live in peace. And he wants you to love others. Love everyone with a radical love. Can you do that? Do you even want to do that? What motivates us to do this very thing? It's Jesus himself, isn't it? the one who's speaking these very words. As we look at the last 24 hours of Jesus' life, what do we see? We see one of his closest friends betray him, hand him over to the Roman government, or hand him over to the the Jewish religious leaders. We see he's arrested in the middle of the night for false charges. We see he stand before trial before the Jewish religious leaders and he gets insulted by being slapped across the face. We see him dragged and bound and dragged before the Roman government where a miscarriage of justice happens, and they condemn him to die for crimes he didn't commit, and then he gets dragged out, beaten, spit on, and then laid down on a cross and nails driven through his hands and feet. And while that is happening, what are the Jewish religious leaders doing standing there sneering at him and mocking him. And yet, what does Jesus say from the cross? Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Love. Love. And while that's inspiring and moving, it still doesn't necessarily melt our hearts, does it? Not until we realize that we were Jesus' enemies. Not until we realize that it was my sin that nailed him to the cross. It was my sin that held him there. It was me. I was the enemy. The Bible says that the sinful mind is hostile to God. And that's what I am by nature. I am hostile to God. I do not do what the law says, nor can I do so. I do not even want to do it. I'm an enemy of Jesus. There's a a great song by Crowder. It's a Christian rock band. And the opening of the song, it's called Forgiven, the opening of the song says this. I'm the one who held the nail. It was cold between my fingertips. I've hidden... In the garden, I've denied you with my very lips. I fall down to my knees with a hammer in my hand and you look at me, arms open, forgiven, forgiven. Here's how the Apostle Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, but for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We held that hammer in our hand, and what were we? Ungodly, powerless, sinners, enemies of God. And yet, what does Jesus do for us? Die for us when we were still that. Love us when we were his enemies so that he can look at you with arms open and say, forgiven. Forgiven for all the insults that you have given to God for the way you live. For all the times that you've abused his grace by living the way you want, Jesus forgives you. For all the bitterness in your heart Jesus forgives you. For all the plotting, for all the revenge, for all the gossip and slander that you've done to hurt the person who's hurt you, Jesus says, forgiven. We were enemies. We've now been reconciled, Jesus says, and it's through his death on the cross. It's that love. It's that love that will motivate us. Your last point today. God loves us with a radical love love. How radical? He takes the debt of our insults and sins. He takes the debt of our sin on himself and he pays it so that we have peace with him. That is radical love from the God of this world and it's that radical love that covers over the multitude of sins that we have and it's because he first loved us that now we go and we love others. We love others, trusting that God will bring justice. We, we love others, even when they insult us, when they persecute us, when they do all kinds of evil against us. We love others, and it starts here. And it's only as we grow in this vertical love that God has for us, that we will then go out and be motivated to love horizontally, Everyone. doesn't matter what they've done to us because we know that God loves us even more. It's that love, that vertical love, that melts and softens a hardened heart. It's that love that uproots the bitterness that's in our heart so that we're free. And then we can go and love others. What would our community look like if everyone sitting here today if we went out and loved with this kind of love? What if we went out and we loved with words and actions? Imagine what this group of people could do here in Liberty Hill. Imagine what this love, how this love would change the landscape of social media, would change the political talk in our country. Imagine what this would look like in your own relationships as you go out and love like this. Let's go and do that. Let's go and show the love of, this, of the God that we have to this world. And it starts right here with you and me. Knowing the love that God has for us motivates us to go and love just like him. Let's ask God's blessings as we do this. Dear Lord Jesus, we praise and thank you uh, as we look at these words Uh, You not only instructed us to do them, commanded us to do them, uh, said this is what life looks like as a Christian, but you accomplished it. You fulfilled these words for us and you did it perfectly. You did it blamelessly before our God. Uh, You loved your enemies. You loved those who persecuted you. You loved us who were sinners, powerless, ungodly. The ones who sinned so that you had to die, you loved us and you still love us. We thank you for your love. Uh, It's that love, that grace that transforms our hearts to love other people, Uh, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter if they're friends of ours, if they're family, or uh, if they're enemies. You motivate us to love. Uh, Help us to grow in your love for us, uh, that your love may motivate us to go and love others. We ask you to be with us as we go out and we do this Uh, so that the world may see who you really are, a God of love, a God of grace, and a God of mercy. Let them see that through our lives once again. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you again for listening to this message today. It's my prayer that uh, it has changed your heart as you grew in the message of your Savior, Jesus. Again, if you wouldn't mind liking and subscribing, we'd be grateful for that. God bless your day.